Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. We are thrilled to be sponsored by Vincere, a global ATS system that truly transforms the experience of every single user in the recruitment industry. We are also really proud to be partners to Needy, the bespoke gift matching service using psychology and AI to, to remove boring gifts and experiences. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And we are also very proud to partner Inclusion Crowd, the diversity and inclusion specialist for the recruitment industry, something that you all need to know about. But again, more information later on in the show. Thank you for choosing to listen. Remember to click the subscribe or follow button so you'll be alerted to any new episodes that we release on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. But enough of this, let's jump into this week's guest. On this week's episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, I am joined by somebody who's probably seen as the godfather of recruitment. I'm not sure how he'll take me calling him that because I think he's possibly in denial at how long he's been in this industry for. Um, It supersedes anybody else I've interviewed for the podcast. Lou Adler, who is the CEO and founder of the Adler Group, has been in recruitment for uh, five decades. He's actually been in the recruitment sector since the 70s when he joined from an engineering and manufacturing background. And during today's episode, we talk really, we span the decades. We talk about where the recruitment industry is flawed, both all the way through the decades, but where we are at present and where he sees the biggest headaches. All the 40,000 recruiters that he's trained over the years and have attended his workshops, those that have elevated themselves to become the most successful and the highest performing, what traits do they have? What do they do differently to other people? There are some exceptional insights into what's happening in LinkedIn, but also what's happening in terms of how we need to recruit more diversely and inclusively and, and create a sense of belonging as an industry. I have to say, Lou's great fun. Uh, He's a real oracle for our industry. I was a little bit in awe, actually, because it's not often I meet somebody who's been doing recruitment longer than me. Um, But he really is a very enjoyable listen. And I really can't wait to hear what you think of the episode. Um, Make sure you're following Lou. Um, And I think he shares an exceptional amount of content on LinkedIn as well. I think he's a really superb advocate for our sector. Uh, And obviously a big hello to all of our audience over in the USA. Um, Lou joined us today from California. It was nice and sunny over there, I think. Not very nice in the UK when we recorded it. Uh, But we're really grateful for all our listeners across the globe. But thank you very much for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and I am beyond privileged and honoured to be welcoming to our global community today a person who I've been following avidly for many, many years on LinkedIn. I imagine a large part of our community will also be doing that, but let's bring this person to life and I'm actually going to allow him to introduce himself because I will not do it justice at all. To our wonderful community, this is Lou Adler, who is the CEO and founder of the Adler Group and has been in recruitment for a very long time and is going to give us some amazing advice. No, no, no. Just a just a short period of time. Welcome to you today, Lou. How are you? Thank you very much, Alicia. Happy to be here. And you're joining us today from the other side of the pond, as they say. Whereabouts are you based, Lou? Well, actually, I'm located in Southern California. Today, I'm in Central California, actually, right at a meeting at uh, LinkedIn Studios, where we're recording a new program, which we'll talk about a little bit today of what we're oh, what we're talking about. So definitely, I didn't know about that. That's very very cool. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. And you're starting your day as I'm finishing my day. So it's literally day and night on this screen. If you're watching on YouTube, so for those who are possibly living under a rock, 
and have never heard of you, give us a little bio as to who you are and what you do. Well, I've been a recruiter for a long time, 44 years. Uh, anyway, that's a long time. Even I get tired when I think about it. Uh, and my background wasn't in recruiting. It was in manufacturing and engineering, but hated my boss, became a recruiter and realized that recruiting was fundamentally flawed. This is back in the early 70s. It's uh, still fundamentally flawed. Uh, and that's what I do is I just try to unflaw it. I come up with technologies and uh, techniques uh, based on business processes and manufacturing processes. How can you apply those techniques to recruiting? And that's what I'm up here at LinkedIn. We're doing a, a new course on performance-based hiring. Even No, they didn't give me the glass. They let me borrow the glass, <laughs> the cup. So that's what we're doing. We're creating a course on performance-based hiring, which is a business process for hiring talented people. Wow. We'll definitely happy, happy to talk about that with any kind of questions you want to throw at me, I'll see if I can handle it. Well, I just but, want to pick up on something that you just said in the intro there. You thought that the 44 years ago, which is literally almost to the point where I was born, but not quite, I'm a bit older than that. You thought the recruitment industry was flawed and you think it still is. So what's our, what, why, what's so flawed about it right well, now? Well, I'll go back to my first project because mm -hmm. my background is engineering and manufacturing. Yeah. So yeah. my first project, this is in 1978, just to give you a sense. Yeah, yeah. Hiring manager who's the president of a company. I happen to know, and I gave my company six months notice that I was quitting. So it wasn't like wow. this emotional thing. It was emotional, but it took a long time to, yeah. uh, he gave me a job description that listed skills, experience, and competencies, how to have this kind of background, engineering degree in this issue, 10, 15 years experience in this kind of manufacturing. And I looked at the president of the company and said, Mike, that is not a job description. This is a person description, a job uh, doesn't have skills and experiences and competencies. A job is stuff that people do. So yeah. let's put this person description in the parking lot. What is this person whom you're going to hire for a plant manager need to do over the course of the year that would indicate he's successful, he or she's successful? At that time, it would have only been a he. So, yeah. um, nice. And he said, well, that's an interesting question. No recruiters ever asked me that. I said, well, most recruiters don't know what they're doing. Uh, if they don't know the work, how can you possibly find someone who's motivated to do that work? Mm -hmm. So he, we, uh, and he said, I want someone to turn around the plant. And it did have some real problems. So we walked through the plant an hour. We found five or six things that person needed to do uh, to turn around the plant. If you use a job description that lists skills, experience, and competencies, you are not defining the work. You're defining person. So when I said that it's still flawed, if you're not defining the work, it's still flawed. You now put a lid on quality because there's so many people who can do that work, maybe a different industry, maybe more diverse, maybe older, younger. Uh, so once you added all this criteria that defines the person, you limit the talent pool. Now, I made a commitment, and I've done a thousand placements. I made a commitment is we won't compromise on the work. If you need that work done, that's what it happens. Absolutely. Give me a little relief on the background they need. I don't know if they need 10 or 15 years. They need some experience, of course. They need some talent, of course. They need some, I don't know how much. Let's just, they have to have enough to do that work. And so, and I think if you fundamentally don't focus on the work itself, the system is flawed and it's still flawed. I, I see million, I, there's 10 million job postings in the United States, 9.9 .9 million of them list skills and experiences. And that's why you can't fill these jobs. Sorry for being so frank. Well, no, you have, you have, I can see now why you've endured because you have just blown up what is wrong with the recruitment industry and you have, and it's true. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, I've not been doing it quite as long as you, but not far off. I'm, I'm 24 years in and everything that you said there was very interesting because my first recruitment job was in recruiting in engineering and manufacturing actually hmm. so, so you there you go so that's right. I, you sit in england that's a manufacturing area right where you live 
uh, where I am, it's it, it, historically, it's not now, now it's probably more touristy than anything, but where I live in Lancashire, it was probably quite industrialised. It was all, all okay. you know, manufacturing, et cetera. Um, but yeah, no, where, where I worked in the Midlands, it was all automotive, process engineering, aerospace. And that's one of the reasons that I was superb. I was successful because I'd never, ever took that job description, as you've just described, at verbatim at, at all. It was around what's the actual job doing? What what does well, the thing what is, is now if you talk to a candidate, hmm? it's like if you don't know the job, how can you convince a candidate who's any good to consider even talk but, to you? Because yeah. then you're just pushing smoke and mirrors. And so I think that's also the key. I know we're going to talk about what's the thing that a recruiter needs to do. They got to know what their what jobs they're placing, and if they don't, they're uh, they're just filling jobs and not offering careers. So actually, I mean, look, I'm not we're not passing the book here, but actually it's the end user clients and employers who maybe don't know how to define what a job description looks like. But it's our role as recruiters to challenge and educate and ensure that we have the right information to then be able to go. In. And I like the fact that you were talking even then about diverse talent pools, which back in the 70s probably wasn't very diverse. Um, but we are talking about now in 2023 as we launch this podcast. So in terms of your what way you see the market now what's the biggest flaw now that we have in, as an industry would you say we briefly interrupt this chat on the recruiters recruitment podcast to introduce to you our partnership with vincere the recruitment operating system vincere is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe a single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now including video interviewing and outreach all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincere because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincheri.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, back to the chat. Well, I think it's now you take this idea of a job description mm. in the 10 or 15 million open jobs on in the United States. Wow. Uh, but you look at them uh, and they're all just skills and experiences and competencies. Mm. But what we've done by having these listed there is we've, so now I go back, that concept automated at scale has actually cheapened work. Uh, everyone thought the job boards would be this great, uh, the solution to hiring people. No, all you've done is cheapen work because you're offering candidates ill-defined lateral transfers and you give them a lot of money. And if they get aggravated, they can look at it for, if they're any good, if you're any good and you've got the skills, you can find another job in a week. If you're not yeah. any good, you just keep on sending uh, resumes and you don't get it. Uh, but the idea is, so you take that wrong concept of job descriptions that aren't are really people descriptions, then you put them on scale and you let people uh, take offers uh, and then they discover the job isn't what they thought it was because it didn't define the job. So yeah. what's flawed is we've cheapened work. We've made changing jobs a transactional process rather than a involved, hey, this is a big decision. This is bigger than buying a house. It's bigger than buying a car. This is your life. And yet people will make the decision, oh, I'll take that job with whoever pays the most. Uh, yeah, and I think are... so that's, so it's that same concept that scale has made it even worse. We've cheapened work. 
we've cheapened what we, what we actually do and I, it's so refreshing to meet somebody who's got such an oracle level role in the, in our industry globally not just in the united states i hasten to add you very well known over here in the uk that that is exactly what we're doing we're changing people's lives this is not a transactional you know new pair of shoes not nothing wrong with right. buying a pair of shoes by the way but this is life changing this is going to define who you are and what your value is and what your purpose is. So I think it's a really wonderful place to start this podcast because that shows your ethics, your moral. And that's where we, I think, as people that have been doing it for a long time, we have a responsibility, certainly to our listeners who are you know, starting out their recruitment career. That is actually how you should be defining yourself. You are going on a journey with somebody's career. You can build a peer network where they're going to follow you through and you become a C-suite. But if you're not doing the right job at the, at the start, which is taking that person's career understanding your clients needs you're never going to succeed I love that I didn't know that about you Lou that's brilliant now you obviously run workshops you've done it for a very long time like you said you've had over 40,000 recruiters according to your LinkedIn profile that have attended your workshops in your vast experience of engaging with these guys and training developing them and you know getting to understand who they are what would if you could have a list of ingredients for a top recruiter what would be in your ingredients list. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, higher regard, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd if you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. Well, number one is knowing the job. You have no credibility if you don't. Mm. Number two is, there's a tool here, and I was at a LinkedIn Town Connect conference and it was so excited about the first time they put, oh, you can't see it because I got a virtual oh, back. Yeah, there you go. Um, they were so happy that they had the first LinkedIn app was on a phone. And I, and this is like 2015. I, I'm going to say it was five or six years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I said, no, you, no, I didn't say it in the middle of the room, but I had a breakout session, had a thousand people in it. But I said, no, that's the, the app is the most important thing is the phone. You got to get on the phone and talk to people. Um, and you don't need a lot of can If you know the job and you're comfortable and understand how to recruit, which is the other thing, you get on the phone and talk to people. Mm. Alicia, hey, you be, I got this spot for senior director of marketing. Would you be open to chat about it if it made career sense? And you can say, what's the money? It doesn't matter. Alicia, if it's not, it's, if it's not a career move, it doesn't matter. Let's see if it's a career move first. So I then have a conversation with you. Uh, and if you're not the right person, I, I wouldn't even have called you unless I knew you were either good yourself or yeah. knew other people. Knew other people. So I can Absolutely. connect with you on the LinkedIn and say, hey, Alicia, you know, I just checked. Uh, you're, you're just too good for this job. It's not a big enough job for you. Irrespective of that. It's that being on the phone and talking to people, understanding that you are advising them about a lifetime decision. And if you're credible, they know you're someone worth knowing. So I added those three things. You got to know the job. You got to be a good recruiter, get on the phone and talk to people and use the phone as a phone and network like heck. You do those things, you'll be an excellent recruiter. I mean, make a lot of of placements. Everything that you said there is actually exactly what we should be doing. But actually, the reality is that a lot of recruiters rely on just sitting, you know, on their laptops. Oh yeah, if you're on a phone, if you're sending emails, you're not. um, This was back in when I had about twenty recruiters in 1995. Yeah, and the recruiters that got referrals, and we actually said you got to get referrals. Those referrals, I'm going to say this is in 1995 dollars. They made two hundred thousand dollars a year if you got on the phone. Yeah, they didn't need as many people, but three or four, and they were just making placements left and right. If you're on a computer, uh, sending emails, maybe a quarter of that, twenty five percent. Could get lucky a few times, but you're not going to do the same. No, I, I think it's true, and, and I know myself. I mean, obviously, when I started in the nineties, no one had computers. You just you literally had your phone, and I right, just well, that's, that's better. Really, I said, what if you didn't have a job board and all yeah. you had is a phone? What would you do? I literally. bet you could figure it out if you're. Absolutely. No, I love that. I, I think and it's something that will resonate, I think, with a lot of people who maybe have been in recruitment for a while, but also those coming through now. It's all about relationships. It's all about networking. But we don't just do that in our virtual communities. You have to do that by picking up the well, phone. Let's say this. If you want to place people in the top 25 percent, yeah, it's about relationships. Absolutely. If you want to just fill a job, it's a transactional Transaction. process. So there's really two recruiting markets job market versus the career market yeah very well defined have you ever heard the expression bird dog uh yes but i'm not going to tell you what it means because that was a college thing that i learned when i was 22 oh, i hope but it's um, i hope that's not a euphemism it's not, it's not positive. Well, it positive if you're a guy it's positive but it's, oh Oh no! Well, this is a different thing than in the recruitment world in the nineties. A bird dog was a candidate was a, um, a contact in your industry that you knew you would probably never place, but you would go to them for referrals and you would speak to them on a weekly basis. Well, I would call that a node, N O D E, a node in a network. Oh, okay, um, fine. Is that a bit more polite? That's, that's why I look at LinkedIn is really a network of eight hundred million people, not a database. And too many. And if you're a good recruiter, you know it's a database, meaning or network, which you can find those bird dogs who. Yeah. And I, I might still call you up and try to recruit you for a senior product marketing spot, yeah. knowing that you've been in those kind of positions, so you're well connected in those. So I only call people who are qualified, uh, or could be a bird dog or a, a node or could see the job as a career move and I'm happy to network with those people all day long. I'm gonna have to Google what bird dog means in your 
Uh, no, I don't know. It probably wouldn't have my definition, have yours. But no, I just need to be careful. We might have to put a parental warning on the podcast. So um, you've got a book with which is Higher With Your Head, which encourages us to focus on diversity when we are hiring without compromise. So how do we do that? Now, diversity is obviously, you know, it's a hot topic in recruitment, obviously. We need to be more diverse. We need to be more inclusive. So how do we do that without compromise? And what do you mean by that? Well, I think this is actually the... Um... The course I'm doing with LinkedIn today. It's oh, about, okay. Well, let's it's talk about, about it. Universe, it's about using performance-based hiring to okay. expand the talent pool. Uh, so at one level, by defining the jobs as a series of performance objectives, because hey, what does this person need to do? You now make it a colorblind process. The person has to be able to do that work. So I won't compromise on that. If they can't do the work, they don't deserve the job. And I've had the number one labor attorney who's actually appealed appeared before the Supreme Court justify that methodology. That is objective criteria. Actually, 10 years experience in a degree is appears to be objective, but it's subjective. Why is it eight? Why is it 10 years and not seven years? Unless you've proven it. Why do they need this degree? Yes, it appears objective, but you just picked that out. You didn't that you're not sure that they need it. Particularly if people can do that work who don't have a degree, then it's it's a flawed objective criteria. So the colorblind process means the person has to be able to do that work. Right. That opens a talent pool to anybody who can do that work. And most <laughs> diverse candidates have a different mix of skills and experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't compromise on work. You've got to launch this new product, Alicia, in a year. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work. You've got to do it globally in a year. It's going to take a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I won't compromise. That. I don't care if you've got five years or 50 years. You've got to be competent and motivated to do that work. So that's step one. Okay. That's from a diversity standpoint. And you got to reach out to a lot of people to get it. How we source people is different. Yeah. The belong uh, the inclusion piece, though, is once you get in the job, well, let's just say even interviewing that candidate, there's a lot of biases. I might, uh, you might be able to do that work, but if I don't like you, you're too old, you're too young, you're the wrong sex, you're wrong, all, all this stuff. Uh, so you got to eliminate bias at, during that interview process. That's not insignificant, but it's possible. And that's a lot of what this course is. One idea is uh, bias is physical appearance. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm not choked up about that, but that's uh, have some more actually, of your have some more of your wonderful McDonald's coffee. <clears throat> well, I'll have my LinkedIn water instead. Yeah, have um, your LinkedIn water instead. That's but just like let's assume, and this this is frequent. Some hiring managers look at an accent and say the person doesn't have good communication skills, and that's very very common in all of this bias. Mm. Even if the candidate can do the work, so what I say to people for hiring manager, I say Alicia. I know you have good communication skills on your job description. What does that look like on the job? Yeah. And it could be, well, you're going to be presenting a monthly report to the senior executive team. Mm. So now I know that outcome is, so when I'm interviewing a candidate, I say, hey, have you ever presented this to an international audience of people, this very complex information? Yeah. And now I'm using that as a criteria. Here's good communication skills. It's not your perception of that person's accent or how they talk in an interview. It's they have done it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to eliminate bias at the interview. See, first you have to have a colorblind process that brings the right people in. You have mm -hmm. to buy uh, an objective and unbiased interview. Then you have to have a belonging, let me call it an inclusion. Irrespective yeah. of that, if you're in a company and you're, let's just say, a diverse candidate, there is an assumption by everybody else in that company that you got in under favored treatment. 
So right. you got, the hiring manager has to proactively intervene and prevent that from happening. If everyone knows that you've uh, achieved the same high standards of performance, that makes it a little bit easier, but the hiring manager still has to uh, proactively uh, minimize that. Yeah. So the, the inclusion part, the belonging part, there's a lot of things you got to do, but it starts with how you define the job, how you conduct the interview, how you onboard the person and how you manage the person throughout. It's not a simple process, um, but if you use skills-based job description, you're setting yourself up for failure because you won't have really enough are. candidates. So then you'll compromise what the person is and uh, all those things that you're trying to accomplish will be flawed because they are favored. You get the, you, the person didn't meet the same standard or uh, standard of excellence to get in the job. So now you've, uh, and everyone knows it. So you can't put band-aids on it. You've got to look at the root cause and set up a system that prevents it from happening. And that's it's what we're talking about here at LinkedIn like, today. So what, what, is, there any, is there any inclusion in that um, about with chatbots, which are often being used to sort of eliminate candidates in the first stages? We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. Well, if you set the chat box up to um, one of the big things we have to do, let me just hear, let's assume this is the question. One of the big things we have to do, Alicia, in this uh, in this project is launch a new product in the first six months and get the whole product requirements done in 90 days. Yeah. Have you done anything like that? Right. Now, your question is that that's what you have to answer. And yeah. when did you do that? And it says in the last two years that then uh, you can make it objective. But if you say, how many years of experience do you have? And you go back and just box check the skills, yeah. you set it up to be flawed. So, it's all about the question you ask. Yeah, no, it's it's chat boxes, and actually, I tried to work with somebody who had a pretty cool chat box. But actually, Chat B GBT is pretty cool, though. Yeah, I know. It's like definitely the biggest topic I think at the moment, isn't it? That's that's yeah. cool. No, that's really really insightful, and I'm and I'm really I feel like we've covered all aspects of it now. So that's all right. So in your experience, obviously, like I say, vast experience across a number of different um decades you've seen recruitment flourish you've seen the similar flaws we've talked about that and obviously where it's going as a sector why do you think some people achieve success where others don't why do i think someone's going to achieve success while others don't hmm. well i think they're solving the wrong problem okay so you look at ai uh which let's say that came out in the 2015s um they're using a database of people who've applied to jobs and 
the decision is, okay, who did we hire? Who okay. got hired as a result of this database? Well, that's uh, filling a job. That's not hiring the top 25%. So at some level, AI is fundamentally flawed because they're solving the wrong problem. Okay. You as a recruiter, you can look at a resume, Alicia, because you've been in a similar background to me. Okay. You can look at a resume and you know if you've got a good person. They've been, yeah. they got a fast track record and they're working at good companies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and they, it looks like the work they're doing is relatively similar to what you need done. Oh, the person's got a good company, good track record, promoted three times in three years and working on projects. Oh, I've got to talk to that person. Yeah. Um, you can, that's not what AI is looking at right now. Mm. Um, it's looking at how many years of experience and saying, okay, you got the right mix of skills and experience. And that, so that's a filling the job criteria versus raising the talent bar and offering career criteria. So yeah. until, and I did talk to somebody last week who seemed to be doing something a little bit more interesting, wasn't there yet, but he looked at the companies the candidate had been at and ranked those companies in terms of quality and learning opportunity, ah. which I had never seen done before. Then I told the guy, I said, why don't you also rank, if you can, the rate of change of that candidate's learning? And I said, you can look at it by titles. You can say how many years experience he had, how much money. I mean, he said, oh, that's an interesting problem. He was uh, he was a very smart man, and he understood, uh, oh, I could see how that could work. And he knew AI. So it was interesting that he started thinking about, well, I know if people are working at good companies, obviously they're good people. Um, and if they, so, I mean, that was kind of, so he said, I'm trying to figure out now, how do I rank the quality? I mean, there's tens of thousands of companies. How do I rank the quality of a company? But at least he was thinking about the problem properly. Wow, absolutely. Gosh, that's a very analytical way to look at it, isn't it? But then why? But then why would he move on from those companies? How long was he at those companies for? How did he? Well, there's a point in time them? where you grow and then you start flattening. Maybe it's just the curve this way. Um, yeah. Uh, people start. I call them explorers. This is what I train my rec recruiters go to training. Is you're the sweet spot is explorers. An explorer is someone who has not started actively looking, okay. but is open to look. So if you call a person up and say, "Leisha, would you be open to explore a situation?" Was clearly better. You know the job is kind of declining in opportunity, but it's not so bad that you're going to spend time to be embarrassed and look for another job. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of you're right there in the margin. That's the sweet yeah. spot for recruiting because once you say yes, I got you, because uh, now is. you haven't looked yet. Now, so those are the things you have to do. But if you narrow your focus to people who are just ready to look, you're in the game. Um, you are. So that's kind of the. I mean, you. We call them semi-finalists. These are people ready to look, they're qualified, and they would see the job as a career move. So all of a sudden you get those three things in play. It's just like pre-qualifying a customer. Good salespeople don't call every possible customer. That's not. They call, they pre-qualify before they make the call. It talks, it's a lot of work getting on the phone and talking to people. So if you pre-qualify, so that's where you could use the internet and all your tools, pre-qualify candidates yeah. uh, that can do the work that are almost ready. Hey, I've been there two to three years. I'm probably ready to leave. And uh, you see the jobs of career move. So you got those conditions in play. You're in the game. Wow. No, I love that. I love the Explorer. That's much more exciting than calling somebody a passive candidate because that just implies yeah. that just sat there twiddling their thumbs and they're never the ones that are sat there twiddling their thumbs. So I really like that expression. I might have to steal that, but I will give you credit for it. Don't worry. You should definitely copyright it. Oh, you, you can take it. It's in the book. So it's in the I book somewhere. It. I love it, Lou. So finally, before we finish, you've obviously worked through many world events. You know, we're obviously currently in a global recession, cost of living crisis, there's a war in Ukraine, there's lots of different challenges. What do you think is potentially the greatest threat to recruitment in 2023? Yeah, I'd say um, 
we saw 2022 as really accelerating. Now, I'm not a recruiter anymore. All I do is train companies on how to recruit. Okay. I work with some smaller companies and we implement this at the company level. But uh, but we are seeing, and I think it would make logical sense, is uh, people just uh, maybe we shouldn't be hiring as much. Maybe we should be a little bit more cautious. Maybe uh, we should uh, lengthen, hey, we're going to supposed to hire 1,000 people over next year. Let's make it 250 people. So we're definitely seeing that level of caution being put in on workforce plans. So if I was a recruiter who wanted to be a recruiter, I'd say, okay, I've got to take this time, if possible, and transition from a transactional recruiter to a consultative career-oriented recruiter. That, to me, is if you want to be a recruiter, get out of the game of just pulling people and uh, filling jobs. Uh, we call it win-win hiring. Uh, win-win hiring is at the anniversary, first year anniversary date, the candidate still says, I'm so glad I took this job one year after hiring. And the hiring manager says, I'm so glad I hired the person. Wow. That's yeah. a win-win hiring outcome. So we said, that's a different decision than hiring for the start date. Yeah, I filled 50 jobs. So who cares if 25 of them uh, left in the first year and the other 25 underperformed? But that yeah. wasn't the goal. Our goal is, no, they will stay and they will be top performers. That's a pretty challenging environment. But to me, you have to be a good recruiter to pull that off. And it's those tools that we talked about earlier. Uh, you can can make that happen. It's, it's through relationships. The transactional recruiter will never have that depth of relationship where they'll see that longer term picture. It's a relationship, but it's also a relationship based on trust and knowledge. I mean, you can be a good salesperson, and uh, but if you don't know your product, you're just selling smoke and mirrors. In this case, the product is a job with a hiring manager with a company. uh, And if you know things that are wrong with that, you have the obligation to reveal that. How many recruiters would do that? Very few. Yeah, but they're the ones that all, they're the ones that. My goal is not to make you happy in the long term. My goal is to fill that job for the start date. That's what I get credit for. And that's what I got my bonus for. That's what you get your bonus for. Absolutely. Well, I think you're probably right with the greatest challenge. I also think there's a secondary challenge to that in that because everyone knows that people are not going to necessarily, the explorers might end up not exploring anything. So I think you have to have that depth of relationship equally with your candidates. Well, I might say, you know, Alicia, you know, we're going, we're going through a slowdown period here. We're doing our workforce planning for the next 12 months. Uh, I have an opportunity. There's a couple of big senior level spots in marketing. I think mm-hmm. one or two could be good for you. We're not sure yet, but I'd love to chat with you briefly to see if something might happen. Are you okay with having a conversation? Probably not going to be in the short term, but yeah. you never know, next three to six months. Most candidates would say, oh, of course I'll have that conversation. Be and you call it, Lisa, guess what happened? We just got something that looked interesting for you. Right. Um, I mean, just take the time pressure off and develop that network. It's like managing expectations, isn't it? I, I My entire business is based on speculative conversations, opportunist conversations, whatever title you want to give it. So I am singing your praises with that one. That's definitely for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really valuable um, insight for everybody. And, you know, we warmly wish you well. And thank you so much for giving us your time because I know you're exceptionally busy and good luck with everything for 2023 and beyond. Bloom. Thank you for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Alicia. Bye-bye.